You are tuned in to Faith City Outreach with Marina Maria, the founder of Global Gospel Worship Radio. Marina interviews local pastors and global leaders, sharing their testimonies and the work they're doing for the Lord. In Matthew 6.33, Jesus reminds us, Seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. We hope this program will encourage you to do just that. Now here's your host, Marina Maria. Welcome to Faith City Outreach. This is Marina Maria with today's special guest, Pastor Fred Smith, who is a full-blood Navajo Native American. Pastor Fred and his wife, Mrs. Wanda Smith, Pastor, Community Pentecostal Church, located in Fort Duchesne, Utah, home to the Northern Ute Tribe, and have been involved in full-time ministry for over 40 years. They are ordained with the Pentecostal Church of God, located in Bedford, Texas. In the year of 2000, First Nation Ministries Incorporated was founded by Fred and Wanda Smith. First Nation Ministries provides training, resources, and conferences for Native leaders and churches. It is a network of 208 Native churches and 54 Bible schools, hosting eight annual leadership conferences throughout North America, targeting Native pastors and leaders. In 2008, they were given a mandate to ignite a revival of prayer across Native territories and churches. Since then, they have been able to, by the grace of God, establish prayer groups amongst 80 different tribes. They've been able to train in many prayer conferences, prayer warriors, spirit-filled intercessors, and networks. Thank you, Pastor Fred, for being on Faith City Outreach to share your heart for supporting, equipping, and empowering Native pastors and leaders through the ministry that the Lord has given you, which is First Nation Ministries. You're welcome. Pastor Fred, I, I know you and your wife have been involved in ministry for over 40 years, but briefly, share your Jesus story and when the Lord called you to be a pastor. Well, I I, I thought about that, and uh, I, I was reminded of a time, I think I was in fourth grade, and the very first time I ever heard God speak to me was on the playground. I was out playing and uh, monkey bars and, and all the swing sets, and, and I heard I heard a voice. And the voice that I heard was, I know now that it was the Lord. And what was said to me is that I am, I've called you to be a leader like Moses. And when I, as soon as I heard that voice, I, I've called you to be a leader like Moses, just a real brief, it was almost like a flash of a of a scene. And, and I was running on the playground and there was probably 30, 40 kids following me. And it's just real brief, and 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 I, I knew then uh, that something was different. Something you know, I didn't uh, mention that to anybody for a long time. And as I started going to church, uh, the Baptist Berean Baptist Church, I mentioned it to my pastor, and, and my pastor told me that uh, God's going to use you to lead your people, Native people. And that was back in 1970, 72, 74, something like that. And so I, so I, so I kind of had an idea that God had something for me. And so that's my, 
that's my Jesus story. I, you know, I've just been going to church, studying the Word of God, and and just preparing for leadership. Do you come from parents that were also Christian? No, no. My, I am the first uh, born again Christian in my family. My my mom and dad, uh, and and of course we were raised. Uh, they were raised in the Native American church, uh, where they believed in peyote meetings and and things like of that nature. They didn't drink or smoke or anything like that. They were good people. They just weren't taught about Jesus. But they but they started sending us kids to church because on, on that particular Sunday was their day off and the Baptist church in our in our community uh had an had you know, would come pick up all the Indian children and keep us all day long. They would would have church Sunday morning then they'd feed us. Would have a like a potluck after that, and then they'd allow us to play and games, and bring us back about four or five that afternoon. So it was like free babysitting for my mom and dad. So they they sent all of us kids, made sure we were ready to go. And but in that process, that's when I started hearing about Jesus, learning about Jesus, and over over a period of time, my mom and dad did give their hearts to the Lord, and they're they're both uh, in heaven now. So, but I was the first one in my family to become born again. And what did they think about you becoming a pastor? Well, I uh, I had a when God called me to pastor, uh, we were attending a church, and and the pastor that was that was our pastor resigned, and the the, the organization didn't have anybody to fill that pulpit. So they asked my wife and I, and I was I think I was nineteen years old. My wife was eighteen. And they asked us if we would just uh, conduct services until they got a pastor, and so so I agreed to that. And but uh, ten years later, we end up resigning that church. But when I before that actually happened, God gave me a dream, and in the dream, uh, I was walking in everyday street clothes, and and I heard uh, the voice of the Lord tell me, handed me it was a pure white. It had gold bars on the shoulders and just all throughout the the white suit. It was an admiral suit, and I was handed that admiral suit, and I and I was instructed to put it on. and And when I put it on, it was a perfect fit. I mean, there was no, wasn't baggy, wasn't too long, too short in the in the sleeves, but it was a perfect fit. and And when I put that admiral suit on, uh, there was two groups of people. In in this was a dream that I was having. There was two groups of people on the left-hand side. This uh, the, this particular group of people were excited. They were happy. They were rejoicing with us. And in that crowd, I saw my dad, the face of my dad. The other crowd on the right-hand side were uh, kind of sarcastic. They were envious, jealous. You know, who do you think you are? You know, you're not going to rule over us. You're too young. And so uh, I, even though... When I first started pastoring, uh, I don't think my, my, my parents were silent, but I believe God let me know that they were proud of, of what God was calling me to do, even though they didn't really understand it. And it took years, many years, for them to really understand what we do. But uh, before they passed away, they, 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 they knew God, God had given them insight into what, what my wife and I do. Amen. You and your wife, Wanda, founded First Nation Ministries in 2000, which basically provides training, resources, and conferences for Native leaders and churches. And it is also a network of 
208 native churches, 54 Bible schools, and, and uh, hosts eight leadership conferences throughout North America. That's a lot of churches and Bible schools. What has been the reaction from native pastors and leaders when they partner with you or receive your training and resources? Well, you know, when we first started, when when God called us to, to do exactly that, and, and one of the main reasons we did start you know, like I'd mentioned, I was asked to take a church. I was 19 years old. I had no experience, no training. Uh, you know, you're just not taught. You know, when you go to church Sunday morning, Bible, Bible, midweek Bible studies, most churches really don't teach you how to operate as an apostle, a prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher. I mean, we're just taught, you know, to trust God, to pray, to attend church, pay your tithes, you know, just, you know, basic Christian living. And so when I so when I took that church in uh in, in Poplar, Montana is where it was at, I was young, inexperienced, I had no knowledge of, of what a pastor should do or in the responsibilities. And so I made a lot of mistakes and, and I I made a lot of wrong decisions. I just hit and miss and, and I and I, I, I hurt people uh because of my inexperience. And it was from that 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 was our springboard uh, I made, I talked to, I, I prayed and I said, Lord, if you will help me through this, I will commit myself to training, to, to help train leaders so no one has to go through what we went through, the hurt, the offense, the, I mean, it was, it wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. And the things that were going on, the division and the strife and, and, and all, you know, all of that, you know, because of, uh, weak leadership, uh, inexperienced leadership on my part. So when we started, uh, um, we began to train ourselves. And then when we started actually moving to other reservations and, and to you know introduce to them Bible conferences, that was a term that wasn't even really heard at that particular time. They were used to revivals and camp meetings, and and nobody knew what a Bible on reservations. Nobody really knew what a Bible conference was, and so when we started, uh, it was there was a lot, you know, because they didn't understand what we were trying to do or accomplish. There, there was a lot of mistrust, insecurity. There was just, uh, you know, we, you know, they were wanting a revival and camp meeting, but once once they began to see and catch the vision that that God had laid upon our heart to equip our leaders to empower them to train them to where they can operate in ministries of excellence once they saw the fruit of that type of teaching then they you know since then they've grabbed a hold of it and they've become hungry hungry for more uh they're appreciative and they're grateful now for that type of teaching and I can honestly say I remember when when we were traveling, uh, I had an apostle from Oklahoma, uh, Apostle Steve Dyer, that was traveling with me. And me and him, well, I mean, we traveled thousands upon thousands upon thousands of miles up and down the lonely reservation roads from one end of, you know, north, south, east, and west of America. And and in that process, I, I, I remember telling him, I said, you know, the day's going to come when everybody's going to be having conferences and and r- right now they don't know what one is, but the day's coming. And I and I look back now, and and you know even today, everywhere you go on reservations, there's women's conferences, men's conferences, 
pastors' conferences. I mean, there's there's conferences everywhere now. Assembly of God, Church of God, uh, Pentecostal Church of God, and and so uh, I feel that at first uh, we spearheaded that type of of uh, ministry and introduced it to reservations now, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, people are grabbing a hold, have grabbed a hold of that, and they are they themselves are you know having their own conferences. Uh, you know, I get calls all the time. Uh, uh, churches that are going to host their own conference, and they'll you know they'll call for instruction, Brother Smith. What do you think we should do? How how should we go about it? And what is our budget? And and so you know we're we're walking a lot of our native churches into a deeper revelation of of leadership. So it. At first, it was you know, people didn't understand it, but now it's it, it's it's they've got a hold of it. And when you do your a conference, are you able to incorporate a lot of your experiences when you made mistakes as a pastor into your training? Yes, yes, and uh, there there are some basic things that 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 we make sure every uh, young pastor or see you know pastor of a church or native churches there 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 are some very Specifics that we make sure that they understand, and and one of them, number one, is their relationship with Christ. That they that they must make time uh, to spend with the Lord through prayer, worship, Bible study. Not 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 you know studying the Bible for a message Sunday morning, but studying the Bible for their own personal devotion for their relationship with Christ and. We we make sure that pastors understand that, and uh, one of the challenges that we ran into that we that we weren't really that we were unprepared for was we discovered that many many of our native pastors, and even today it's the same, uh, are illiterate, and they it, it's a challenge for them to read to read the Bible, and you know of course when you read the Bible you got words like Methuselah. Mesopotamia, you've got you know, all these kinds of, you know, big names and, and words, you know, not like Joe or Clark or, you know, Gabriel, but, uh, you know, these are, so it was a real challenge to, uh, because they were illiterate, to get them to study the Bible and to understand the Word of God and, and really to understand God's will from Genesis to Revelation, which is redemption which is, you know, Christ, you know, our created in his image to he's redeemed us to be like him and to replenish his earth. So and that was a big challenge. And the other things that we make sure our pastors are really aware of is is number one is our relationship with Christ and number two is our spouse to make sure that they don't one of the mistakes I made is I was married to the church, my first church and i i sought the approval of men i wanted to be accepted i wanted to be looked upon as a good leader you know i was young and and so i i pretty much uh put my wife on a back burner and or my my marriage i put it on a back burner and i was so involved in the church working and we tell our pastors that you know you can you can be involved in the work of god or you can be involved with the god of the work and so we encourage them. It's more important that you're involved with the God of the work to know Him first, than to understand that you have a family, that you that family comes before your ministry and your church. 
And then if you'll get those things in alignment, then the assignment will just naturally flow. So there's some basic things that we, you know, make sure that uh, pastors understand family is important, uh, stewardship. We teach a lot on stewardship, uh, uh, humility, servanthood, you know, that we're, that we're not to be served. We didn't come to serve. But but our the heart of Christ was to serve, not not to be ministered unto, but to minister to serve humanity, and so you know we you know we teach them the, the value of that threefold cord of becoming men and women of integrity, men and women of humility, and men and women that are willing to serve uh, the, their their uh, families, their churches, and their communities, and so. Those are just some of the basic. There's a there's a whole list, but for the sake of time, those are some of the important things to us. Please share about the mandate to ignite a revival of prayer across Native churches and territories, and your prayer gathering on September 20th through the 23rd in um, Arizona. Well, you know, when 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 God gave us that mandate, uh, it it was a result of uh, when we started First Nation Ministries. We we grew well overnight. We we used to have a website, and we got so an, an overwhelming response of, to that website, and we just started multiplying churches, and they were just coming, and they were just, uh, and it got to the point where we had to take that website down because we just we were overloaded. But with all of these churches, we were the conferences we were having. There 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 came a season where I felt that. Everything we were doing had just plateaued out. I mean, we weren't we weren't losing ground, but we weren't gaining ground. We weren't going lower, and neither were we going higher. We just had, we just plateaued out. And and I, and on a national level, I I could sense it, and and you know I could feel it, I could see it, and and so I I spent about three months. I I shut myself in for about three months, and I really really began to seek the Lord and and ask you know the Lord what. You know what am I doing wrong, or what am I not doing? And I was just really searching, and a, and after about three months of of really, you know, just setting myself aside and really spending, out you know, several hours every day, three to four hours every day praying. Uh, one afternoon, very clear, I heard the Holy Ghost speak to me. You know, I want you to ignite a revival of prayer. And so when I heard those words. I I took it not only as a mandate, but the solution to the problem we were facing of our churches and ministries not growing. So from that moment on, we began to push forward with everything. And we, we have signs in our church, push, pray until something happens. And we began to really teach on the dynamics of prayer. And I think, you know, I understand that every believer is called to pray. I mean, that, that that's something we can all do. But I also realize, or I've learned over the years, that there are certain things that require certain levels of power in order for freedom or breakthrough or, you know, restoration or transformation. And so when we started moving forward, teaching our people the dynamics of prayer to raise their level of, of you know, of authority, raise their level of faith, raise their level... The, the increase of the anointing of God in their lives so that they can start dealing with some of these, you know, territorial spirits, giants in the land, and, you know, issues that have been long standing that they've prayed about and nothing has happened. 
And uh, just recently, the, the Lord spoke to me when I was praying, and He said, "I'm going to restore the power to their punch." And so, when we when we started moving forward on reservations, we spent a lot of time teaching on the dynamics of prayer. And I think you know some of the things that I that I understand, like for example, Abraham. When you study the life of Abraham, Abraham built four altars, and and those those altars were defining moments in his life. They were also defining mo- moments in the progression of God's will for his life. For example, Abraham built an altar at a place called Shechem, which is a place of decision. Then Abraham built another altar at a place called Bethel, which is a place of fellowship or the or the house of God. And so every and the the last altar he built was on Moriah where it is symbolic of of our you know the fullness of our redemption Christ being crucified and you know and so I begin to see prayer as as a progressive how would I say a progressive journey in our life that that no matter where we go we have to build altars in order for us to go from one level to another level and as I mentioned earlier I've discovered that it takes certain levels of power to deal with certain issues in our in our land like suicide or you know drug dealing and prostitution and things or child molesting things that go on on our reservations on a you know on a daily basis so we begin to really target just a lot of teaching on on prayer and and just you know just making sure that every believer is called to pray every believer a grandma grandpa children our our children, our young people, single adults, married couples. I believe one of the reasons why marriages are so under attack is simply for the reason the Bible teaches the power of agreement. If any two as touching anything shall agree upon this earth it shall be done. So there is a there is a horrendous attack against our our, our marriages because the enemy understands the 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 synergistic power that is released when there's agreement with the husband and the wife and you know when they begin to pray and so you know i mean there's i mean there's just all throughout the scriptures like for example in job 36 verse 32 if you read that that scripture in the niv it it, it it's worded this way he fills his hands with lightning and commands it to strike its mark the living bible says it this way he fills his hands with lightning bolts he hurls each at its target and job is talking about prayer and but but he uses the analogy of lightning which is really an energy energy transfer from heaven to earth but god is saying that i will direct my power when you pray i'll direct my power to hit its mark it won't miss it's i'm i'm accurate and and i you know if, if you believe me i'll i'll bring resolve to that situation so we started bringing a lot of that teaching uh, to our to our native people, to our leaders, our pastors, uh, ministries, and congregations. And and I can honestly say that we we are seeing a revival of prayer happening now on our reservations on on over eighty different reservations. September twentieth to the twenty third, we're gathering. I think there's nineteen tribes that have that have registered to come. 
uh, we're already filled up, you know, with our registration. And these intercessors are coming from everywhere. And and uh, our agenda is when we bring them together in Heber, Arizona, and Highway 277 at the junction of Highway 260. When we bring them together, uh, our our first goal is to see many of these intercessors that have been on the front lines to be refreshed, be restored, be healed. A lot of them, you know, when you when you I think intercessory prayer is probably one of the highest forms of love because you because when you really intercede for people there's two you know the the Holy Spirit in the book of Romans chapter 8 teaches us two things he will inform us of the needs of others according to the perfect will of God so we're praying perfectly for those that we're interceding for I call it informative intercession the second thing he he'll do is he will help us to identify and I call it identify identificational intercession which is simply what you know Christ he's touched with the feeling of our infirmities when we're hurting he he feels our hurts when we're when we're discouraged and and feel hopeless he understands that he can identify with that so when our people begin to in, when our intercessors begin to really press in there you know they're informed of, of really what's happening but at the same time they identify with what's going on, and 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 you know that that is a, a pull on the spirit of any believer that intercedes. So our first agenda is to provide refreshing, restoration, and healing for all those called to intercessory prayer. These intercessors coming in. The second thing is we want to uh, equip them and empower them with resources and training, and we're going to have panel discussions. We're going we we have national speakers from North Carolina. Montana, Arizona, Oklahoma, New Mexico that are coming in, men and women that I've worked with for many years and that that are coming in to to equip them and to, you know, teach them about, you know, the dynamics of intercessory prayer and, and of course we'll be fellowshipping and answering a lot of questions and the third thing is to uh develop a network. Uh we have several already established networks coming in that have national networks and they're going to join us and they're going to help us to to combine our resources and combine our networks to where we can really start targeting the needs of our uh, Indian reservations. So September 20th to 23rd, that's uh, what 85% of what we'll be doing will be actual prayer. And I also read on your flyer that one of the topics at the prayer event will be forgiveness. Why is forgiveness so much needed from the First Nation people? Well, I was I was involved, I think it was in the 90s, when uh, Promise Keepers was, was national. Right alongside of Promise Keepers, there was another ministry that God raised up, a good friend of ours from Colorado Springs, Colorado, Gene uh, Stephenson. Uh, she she spearheaded a ministry called Reconciliation Coalition, and the the purpose of that ministry was to reconcile the atrocities, the the I think five, over five hundred some broken treaties the government made with the uh, you know the native tribes and and the stealing of the land and the massacres. Uh, God raised her up to 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 bring reconciliation of those you know of the of the white of the white people and the native people and i 
I wasn't really allowed to be a part of it, but I but I followed it. I was on the outside looking in, and and so I so I was able to observe it for I, I think it's for like five or six, maybe eight years, that it was national. And uh, but what I saw was I saw the white people uh, getting on their knees and 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 begging for forgiveness for atrocities and their forefathers and broken treaties, and and I saw the humility. I saw their repentance. I, I, you know, I saw them putting forth an effort to reconcile. But I didn't see it so much from my people. We were, we were on the receiving end when, you know, the truth is when you have wars, there's blame on both sides. You know, there's uh, hatred and, and anger and, and all of those, you know, uh, ill feelings on both sides. And But I didn't see our Native people do the same or respond in the same manner. And that, and that bothered me. And I've, over the years, I've, you know, everywhere I go, I, you know, I hear from the general population of our Native people that this government is, you know, no friend of ours. And, and they're just very, you know, the animosity towards the United States government because of the lies and, you know, all that they've, you know, I mean, there's just no no help at all for our Indian people, and and so it's there's a deep root of of, of unforgiveness in our people, offense and and you know ill feeling towards the government, towards white people, and that 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 is there. It's covered by a smile. It's covered by makeup. It's covered by you know clo- clothing, but it's down in their heart. It's there. How is this event going to be different from another event where people talk about forgiveness and, and they go through a prayer forgiveness? How is this going to really in depth going well, to get to the root? This is what I feel. I feel that we will have a class on, on the importance and, and why we forgive. And uh, I was going to mention that my my personal feeling is that Native people want justice, and 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 we know that God is a just God. He he, justice comes from God, and when it comes from God, it's right. But mm-hmm. there's a barrier there that that is withholding the goodness of God upon our people, and that's unforgiveness. And mm-hmm. we want that teaching to get out to all of these tribes that are coming. They'll be given resources, and they'll take it back to their reservations. And we're going to ask them to teach that on their reservations. That if that if we will do our part, now I'm not looking to the general population, but the remnant, the believers. If we will start going now in our in our prayer meeting, once once that teaching is done, we are going to. I believe there's a barrier that is withholding reconciliation and and true forgiveness from our people. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it could be hatred. It could be uh, prejudice. I mean, those are those are spirits that need to be dealt with and mm-hmm. so we're going to this this entire gathering we're going to we're going to address those we're going to ask god to send that ener- energy transfer from heaven to earth of lightning to hit its mark we're going to we're going to be you know intentional in, in in you know lord help us remove whatever prejudice is there so we can forgive so we can release these things, and that's our uh, that's our hopes, and that's what we're believing God for. And uh, I, you know, I don't want to sound uh, doubtful, but uh, these are we're talking about generational uh, roots. We're talking about generational 
things that have been going on for, you know, longer than I've been alive. Longer than I've been alive. But we're going to hit it in those few days. But uh, again, our agenda is the networks to where it is a continued, a continued, you know, mark. We're going to be targeting that on, on, and plus getting the type of teaching out there. And I don't, I don't think there's enough teaching on the importance of forgiveness. Right. I don't, you know, my my people are destroyed because information's not there, knowledge is not there, and so you know we've once we release that teaching, more of that teaching on our reservations, we're sowing seed in that land, and that seed has the ability to produce what its intended purpose is. And that seed will never return void, but it will prosper. This is a gathering to bring leaders together, to provide them with the resources on that type of teaching. We'll have a ministry there called Sozo that is going to be made available to further uh, educate our people on the importance of you know, forgiveness, reconciliation, in order to see restoration and transformation. And so this is a, this is a national effort to, to see positive change upon our lands. What are your prayers for this prayer event so we can come in agreement with you? Well, one of the things for for me personally, uh I really I really want my heart and my wife's heart and and she's we're we're one. I want our heart during this moment of time to beat with the heart of God. I I want to be able to to flow with what God wants, his heart, uh, to, to find that current in this mighty river that's flowing through our land, to find the current that, 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 that we can engage and, and flow with it to where we can see God's will done. And that's, to me, that's of great importance is I don't want to just have a good meeting. I don't want to just come together and and pray. And, you know, when you pray, I mean, we've had prayer revivals all over this country. And and, and they are, man, they are, and unless you've been to one, I mean, you leave there electrified. You leave there, you know, empowered. You leave there with great joy and, and revelation. And, I mean, I mean, you're on top of the world. I don't want just a good meeting. I want to be able to tap into something that is going to continue to flow throughout this land and really one of one of our goals is that for years you know I you know I've heard it everywhere I go that you know the native american people are the sleeping giant and that you know there needs to be an awakening and I for me personally for that to take place I think about Adam the first man he was awakened by the very breath of God the very life of God, the very essence of God, the very the spirit of the Lord entered into that man. And when the when the Holy Ghost, when breath came into him, the first thing that happened is his eyes were opened. And that's what I want to happen for our native people in these prayer revivals. I want to see the Holy Ghost come down in such a manner that it's genuine. It's not glory, you know. It's not goosebumps, but it's glory bumps. It's the real thing. There's, I mean, a genuine experience and encounter with God. And when that happens, I know that there's an opening of our eyes. There's revelation. And when we, when our native people can walk in revel, in the revelatory truths of God's word, you know, breath is not only tied to the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit or the life of God, but it's tied to the Word of God. All Scripture was given by inspiration, which is the very breath of God. God breathed upon these men. 
it was his life and uh, an impartation mm-hmm. of his nature and character. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think this this is what we want. We want a genuine outpouring of the Holy Ghost upon our native people to where our eyes are opened. And if you think about it, when God opened the eyes of Adam, the very first thing he saw was the countenance of God. He looked directly into the face of God. And there's a, uh, I would, years ago I ran across a study. It's a Latin word that's used when, when it refers to Moses, talk to God face to face. It's a Latin word called physiognomy, which the the word physiognomy simply means to to be able to look into one's countenance in order to see their genuine nature and character. And I believe when God opened, when the breath of God came into Adam, his eyes were opened and he experienced the physiognomy of God. He looked him mm-hmm. he looked into the countenance of God to see his genuine nature his genuine character of of who, of who God really is and i think that's to me that's going to excel the power of intercession because intercession effective intercession is really all about knowing god praying his nature i mean if we know god we're going to pray in his nature we're going to pray in his character and with his ability how can people help support this prayer quake well if they if they can't make it our our day uh, all all of our lodging is full but uh the evening services are open to the public and i'm hoping i'm really praying for the apache nation white river san carlos i'm really i really believe that god has set those that tribe aside for such a time as this i i really believe that that god is i mean god's already moving on that reservation Mm-hmm. But but not to the not to the extent where God wants to move. He's wanting and outpouring. So our evening services are opening, and and my my invitation and my appeal is for the Apache Nation to come in the evening services. They can and come in the daytime at uh, seven o'clock. Uh, okay. We're starting Wednesday night, September twentieth at seven p.m. Thursday, Friday, uh, seven p.m. And then we'll end our our last service will be Saturday morning at ten thirty a.m. We'll have communion. And uh, Apostle Francis Whitaker will be preaching a powerful word to send us home. But, uh, you know, if people can just pray for these meetings. Right. And do people need to register for this prayer gathering? Well, the the evening services, they don't have to. They, they're they welcome to, tend, uh, to attend. Okay. The, the the sanctuary will seat 300. But as far as the the registration, that's closed because all because everything uh, we, we we have two dormitories that's available that'll that'll house 50 men and 50 women and that those are filled. Okay. And is there a charge to no. join? No. 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 This freely we receive, freely we give. Amen. Uh, the, 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 this is something we my wife and I have worked on for many years. And this is our first national gathering, and so this is the beginning of it. Uh, we're we're going to have it every year, but uh, we'll move to different parts of America. Uh, we'll eventually head up to Montana, then to California, then probably, you know, uh, Kansas or Oklahoma to start spreading out. So, but there that's is no best. charge. Yes. Right. That's great. I know you mentioned the date. Can you just share how they can get more information about the location because you haven't 
You told us that it's in Heber, Arizona, but where exactly is it at? That is uh, something I've been trying to find out myself. There, uh, Heber is a small, small, small town, and uh, the the only the only information I can give you is what I know is that there is a a gray church right along right alongside the the north side of Highway 277 okay. and it's right at the junction of 277 and 260. So if okay. you were coming from Sholo on 260, you would take a right on 277 and about 1500 feet on your left-hand side will be the church. Okay. It, that's the great. Timber, Timber Timber Lake Road Lane or Timberlake Drive is 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 the street that's next to it, but that that's all the information I got. Okay, thank you so much. Why is it important to support this prayer gathering if people can't go? But why is it so important for an also native to go? Well, most most national speakers, Dutch Sheets, Cindy Jacobs, Chuck Pierce, uh, Perry Stone, uh, many others, Billy Graham, all believe that. A third great awakening is that First Nations people will be involved in that, and right now we don't we don't see that we don't we don't see uh, in my opinion my personal opinion native leaders churches are overlooked by the Church Just of America. Mainstream churches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're just we're just mm-hmm. overlooked. We're not uh, we're not given any kind of you know credit for our participation in this third great awakening. But we are the host people of this land, and we were here well before Columbus came, and we were here well. We were well. This country was well civilized by many tribes before the Europeans came to this country. So we're the host people of this land. And I like to put it this way, that in your home, the the, the home that you live in, that you that you're buying, that you've paid for, that's your home, that's your that's your property. If if my me and my family were invited to come stay with you a couple of days, we would honor your authority because you're the host. Mm-hmm. You would carry an authority that I don't carry. Because that's your property. That's your, you're the host. And I believe in the spiritual realm. It's the same, the same dynamic in this country. The native people carry an authority that can help break barriers, that can release some things in this country where the, where the kingdom can advance. And I, I really believe that. And, and, uh, but that's, we've got to awaken the native people first though that's the key thank you so much pastor fred for coming to faith city outreach and um i just encourage everyone listening right now to go to this god ordained event i should say gathering prayer gathering or support it or to pray for this event too and we know that this event is in heber arizona on september 20th through the 23rd and everyone, you will be blessed, and you will bless others with your support and prayers. God bless. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Global Gospel Worship Radio with Marina Maria, where all the nations praise the Lord with Christian international music and radio programs. For more information about our radio ministry, please go to globalgospelworshipradio.org. And now we'd like to bless you with this scripture from Numbers 6, 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Thanks for listening.